Alrighty, Stitch Ballers. So last week on episode one, I recorded with Coach Kaz, who is the co-founder of 88 Stitches. Now I'm so excited to introduce to you guys Heather Pamilio. She's the other co-founder of 88 Stitches, and we had such a fun conversation. I dive into how she really started softball, which, hint, hint, she actually started as a baseball player. And we time travel back to her travel ball days, her college days, and now how she started her instructing business. It's a really, really cool episode. I'm so happy to bring it to you guys, and let me know what you think. Alrighty. All right. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well... Heather, welcome to 88 Stitches. Thank you. Good. Yep, that's it. Good. Keep that up. Nice. That's it. Good job. Keep that up. Good. One more. Pick these up. <laughs> Though, as I said to Coach Kaz, this is your place, not really mine. So tell me about it. Where are we at? Right now we're in, a, in the front of our facility. Yep. Uh, 88 Stitches, and we just opened this almost a year ago. Yeah, December 15th, we um, signed our papers, and we were open on the first day. So Love it was that. great. Yeah, we, went, we hit in. the ground running. Yep. We painted a lot. We renovated a bit, um, but she's looking great. Yeah, we're still, we're still doing some renovations mm -hmm. just because we were right in the thick of mm -hmm. things in the high season. So, um, yeah, a little bit at a time. We're not forcing anything to get done. Yeah. Um, people love walking in here. It's clean. It's inviting. Um, it's really made really for the girl athlete. We're trying to make the, the women, the girls a little more comfortable in a, in a, in a batting facility because most of them are men's facilities. So. Yeah, and um, I grew up going to a men-predominant <laughs> facility, and yeah. I could tell you right now, I, re I vividly remember stepping in with my bat and my helmet and kind of being like, oh, my, like there's just so many men here nothing wrong with it it's just it's a little intimidating as a 12 13 year old girl just trying to get her hair hitting lesson in um so i love that this is really meant for the girls and like i know we cater a lot towards fast pitch softball right uh, we do a little bit of baseball stuff if we have an instructor in here let's say we don't we don't ever turn them away but i really love everything that we're doing so far with the place with us girls yes yeah, yeah. i was same way i was a baseball player mm -hmm. until i was about 16. wow so being around the guys was a little bit different for me. Yeah. But um, the intimidation factor is like surely there for girls. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, they just want to come in. They want to do their job. They don't want to feel like people are looking at them. Um, and so I think just our image and our plan for the facility was to help the girls come in and, and feel more confident and not feel like all eyes are on them. Yeah. You said you played baseball. I did. So interesting. <laughs> let's let's go back a bit. So you grew up where? Um, so I actually grew up in a town called Lighthouse Point in Florida. Okay. And then um, I moved to New York around third, fourth grade. And I moved to a town called Point Lookout, which okay. is in the Long Beach area. Yep. Lived there for quite a while until my mom could afford to buy a house in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And then I transferred into the Long Beach uh, house, basically. Nice, yeah. And were you playing baseball before the move? Or did you yes. like pick that up after? So Little League, uh, really funny story. My yeah. father um, changed my birth certificate so I could be a year older no way. to start playing um, <laughs> baseball in the Little League. Really, back then, there really wasn't softball. Mm -hmm. So when I moved here, I played Little League. Um, and when I was about eighth grade, they finally started their first oh. girls softball little league team. Yeah. So I joined that. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately at that time, the competition wasn't as strong for me because yes. I was playing with the boys. Right. I continued to keep playing. Yeah. 
I tried out for the middle school baseball team. No way. <laughs> I, made, I made the team, but then at that time, Title IX was mm, going into up. effect. Yeah. And so they're like, I'm sorry, you have to play softball. Mm. And I did. Yeah. And I loved it. My coaches yeah. were amazing. The girls I played with were amazing. Um, I still am in contact with a lot of them. And I kept playing baseball in the summers. I just yeah. kept playing until basically I was 16. Yeah. And what made I went you to high switch school. at 16? I think just understanding and realizing that I wasn't going to have the opportunity to play baseball with Title IX going yeah. into effect. There was a lot of misinformation. It was more of like, oh, well, because now there's softball, you have to play softball. Yeah. As opposed to, no, I wouldn't like to have the choice. And I knew that I'd be at a disadvantage eventually. Yeah. Boys are going to be stronger, faster. But I had a friend who okay. <laughs> rode his bicycle all the way from Levittown to Point Lookout. And for anyone that doesn't know, how far of a bike ride do you think that That's would be? That's probably about 20 miles. Yeah, it's long. Yeah. <laughs> and him and I would have a catch and we would play yeah. baseball. Like, we would just... I was a pitcher, I was a catcher, I was an outfitter. I kind of played everywhere. Yeah. He's like, my dad runs a fast pitch softball team. Oh. And I was like, okay. And like, <laughs> I didn't know anything about travel ball. Yeah. It made no sense to me. Yeah. And Long Beach is a little community where like you're sheltered a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. So you're not really around a lot of yeah. things. Yeah. And he's like, let me talk to my dad. Maybe you can play travel ball. And it was Long Island Express with oh, okay. Phil DeManda, okay. Rich Jacobia, um, Hal Clayton. Yeah. And Jill DeManda was a phenomenal pitcher. Wow. Uh, Kim, Z Kim Zagajewski, amazing pitcher at Hicksville yeah. High School. Yeah. So I had all these amazing athletes, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and he made Jill throw BP to me. Wow. And I was hitting everything. Yeah. And Joe was yelling at his daughter, like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> da, da, da. She goes, I'm throwing everything. Yeah. And he looked at me and goes, you're on the team. I love that. And that's literally how I got involved in softball. In travel softball. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it. No. Was that almost like validation when you were standing hitting BP against, you said Jill? Jill DeManda, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that was almost validation to you? Because like, one, now fast pitch softball, what is this? This is a right. different world. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. It, it looks similar to baseball. I'm just hitting yeah. a ball off the pitcher. Yeah. And then, you know, you were hitting pitch after pitch after pitch, and now you're kind of getting more confidence in you, mm -hmm. probably thinking, wow, I think I could do this, actually. And was that almost like a turning point for you to be like, okay, I think I'm, I'm sold on the fast pitch softball world. <laughs> yeah. So with Long Island Express, it was invitation only back then. Oh. Ooh. So if you weren't like an all-county player yeah. or one of the top players, you yeah. probably weren't getting asked to try out. Mm -hmm. So I am around the top players. Yeah. And so I think transitioning from the baseball into that domain mm -hmm. made it competitive for me. Mm -hmm. I think in the beginning, the softball in general wasn't competitive yeah. because it was new. Yeah. This was the top athletes on Long Island. Yeah, this was the place you, you needed to be to really like kind of surround yourself with everyone else around you that's pushing you to kind right. of get better in this little bit new of a sport that you're now entering. Right. And that really set you up for success, I think, to where we are now. It did. You know, I, I'm kind of the black sheep in the sense mm -hmm. of I never had a pitching lesson. Yeah. I never had a hitting lesson, a fielding lesson. Yeah. And literally, I just learned from people around me. Yeah. So with the great coaching and then the great players around me, mm -hmm. it, was, it was easier to increase my 
my level of competitiveness as well as, you know, I guess just getting better at what yeah. I need to do, finding my craft, finding my niche. Mm -hmm. What ended up being your niche? Wow. So I really, really think I excelled as an outfielder. I had a very, very good arm. Mm -hmm. I wasn't scared, so I dove for a lot of balls in the outfield. I loved pitching, mm -hmm. but pitching was really hard for me because I didn't have instruction. Yeah. So I was really kind of just learning from people. You're like mimicking what yeah. you were seeing. Yeah. yeah. I threw hard, yeah. um, but I was the Bull Durham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. hit you, struck you out. You know, it was like, um, and 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 that weighed on me a little yeah. bit because I was the pitcher. Yeah. And there was days when I didn't have good days, mm -hmm. and then there was days I had great days and I still lost. Yeah. And that was, you know, a good growing point in my career and really understanding the different dynamics of different positions. Yeah. I think we all go through that as, yeah. as players. I pitched up until end of my freshman year of high school, okay. and like I, I think I, I enjoy pitching a lot. But I came to realize that the girls around me were kind of excelling more and more, and I wasn't. And my right. interests lied more in infield than it was as a pitcher. And I think most softball players kind of get to that point of if they're doing multiple positions or trying to figure out what position like is really for them. Right. Eventually, you'll come to a point where hmm kind of gravitating more towards outfield like you said mm -hmm. or towards infield towards catching and you kind of start to learn more and more about yourself as you progress through the sport which I love so right. much and I you know it's funny I a lot of people talk about you know outfielders and how it's portrayed as mm -hmm. the place where the athletes aren't as good they just get thrown out there yeah it's like the leftover position I yeah. mean I just loved the comp competition mm -hmm. of throwing somebody out yeah it was the thrill of my day. I was just going to say the thrill, that. yeah. Oh my God. Or diving for a ball in the outfield, knowing that this is going to win or, or lose a game. Mm -hmm. Like, if I catch this, the game's over. Yeah. And I think if you can take that and own it mm -hmm. and, and drive yourself to be like the best outfielder yeah. and learn, you know, multiple ways to throw sidearm, running and throwing, mm -hmm. um, you know, crow hopping, right. whatever you can really make a name for yourself. It is the last position for the infielders. Yeah. Like, if the infielder doesn't get it, it has no. to be me. I, I remember in college, we had an awesome center fielder on my team. She was my age. She, we all came in together, and she had a cannon of an arm. And, like, not many people, I think, at the start of a game, when, you, you know, you're warming up, right. you know, you might see the pitcher, you might see us hitting BP in the cages, so you can get a sense of, like, what the other team looks like, but... You don't really see arm strength from the fielders. Right. So first few innings of the game, the other team's rounding, you know, third, going home, and, like, all of a sudden our center fielder threw the girl out. And it's just, even as a non-outfielder, it's so thrilling and exciting right. to cheer on, like, my teammate. Be like, yeah, Juliana, like, you just threw that girl out. I'm sure it was so nice to even be that outfielder yourself throwing yes. that girl out. I mean, people don't realize, like, literally how hard that is. You're throwing yeah. from possibly 200 feet yes and you're throwing it on a dime there's no room for error none none, none. it's <laughs> a lot of skill to perfect your way to get there you have to make sure that throw is cuttable because we're not going to get the runner at home yep. you gotta make sure that cut can pivot to third or pivot to second right yeah so everything has to go well yeah for yeah. you to and get it's a hard out. skill to practice at yes. because not everybody can hit fly balls to you. You can't yeah. just have a, a friend hit fly balls to you. Yeah. And how many long throws can your arm take? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, can you yep. take 
can you throw 20, 30 long row, throws? Yeah. yeah, not not the best thing. It's Definitely exciting. an interesting pathway that I guess I took. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so you made your transition to fast pitch softball mm -hmm. around 16 years old. So you're in high school. Yeah. Well, how was high school ball back then? Was it just, you know, average? Was travel ball really the place to be to excel in softball? For me, what travel ball definitely was the place for mm -hmm. me to be. Um, my high school team was very good. So I was a freshman. Our middle school team, we had a core group of like six to eight girls mm -hmm. that were just all really, we were yeah. all kind of at the same level really great athletes and so we all kind of moved up to varsity at one time mm -hmm. so the, the nice thing about that is i didn't feel alone um i feel like sometimes these younger kids are going up to varsity at an early age and very it's got to be very very difficult you know mentally and then just trying to keep up well it's even like think about it if, if an eighth grader well, even sometimes seventh graders we see here and there on Long Island yeah. move up to varsity, depending on the school district and the amount of talent they have on the team. What are you? You're like 14 years old, 13. 13. And now you're going up to 18. a team where they're 18. So one, that's scary physically because those girls could be huge right. that you're playing against. But right. two, like even developmentally, like you're at different like maturity and growth stages of your life. I remember I, I was a freshman on varsity and like just like the, the conversation that the seniors were having right. about their social lives. I was like, oh, wow. It's like yeah. a whole different world than where I was at in, as a little freshman. <laughs> it is. And I think that's a conversation that we could definitely have at another time of course, about of course. just the, the psychological and the physical and the emotional of younger kids playing up mm -hmm, um, in that mm -hmm. developmental stage 100%. and how maybe we're pushing the kids just a little too fast. Yeah, we'll table that for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's a definitely a big, big, <laughs> big conversation. <topic>. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for you, you had that group that you moved yes, up with. Yes, I had that group that's and, good. you know, our team was competitive. Mm -hmm. It was the first year our high school team had won like the league. Mm -hmm. I think we were 13 and two. So the development of our team was getting better and better because we had a really group of core girls, yeah. um, really good athletes. We all played three sports. And so as time went on, our team was known. Long Beach was and still kind of is a powerhouse for the last 20, 25 mm -hmm. years. Uh, Carmine, my first coach was Coach Marino. Mm -hmm. And then Carmine Verdi came in and took over the program, um, I think in my junior year, and really has built up the program. He's nice. had over, over 500 wins at yeah. this point. But we weren't really known because again long beach is his own little place so, yeah it's, it's so far away if you look from at everything. long island on a map it's like like right. <laughs> it's in so the corner <laughs> we weren't really known yeah. for softball right so the travel ball gave me two things it gave me i guess you could say people got to know who i was outside of long beach yes which is what something i wasn't able to do because nobody really knew long beach softball yeah so the travel ball gave me that as well as it gave me just that extra level mm -hmm. of play because like i said i was with Jill DeMond, right. Kim Zagajewski, the, yeah. uh, Tracy Youngblood, uh, Tracy Tyler from Magatha High School. Like yeah. I could name tons of girls and they all are somewhere. Yeah. They're in some hall of fame. Yeah. They were the top pitchers or catchers, you know. That was really where my ability to get better just kept going and going and going. Right, love that. Okay, so I know you played in college. I did. Let's talk about what that even looks like back then. So I guess travel ball really got you got you into college, high no. school. What? How did that even come to be? Because I'm sure recruiting back then isn't the same yeah, you, as recruiting you, today. If you were on Long Island, you weren't getting recruited. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I had a different pathway for sure. Um, I struggled in school. I didn't actually enjoy high school. It was a lot of work for me, and school didn't come easy. Constantly studying, so I ended up going to a small private junior college in Connecticut called Mitchell. So recruiting and all that really wasn't there. And I played, I was supposed to play softball, ironically, 
and my one of my roommates was a soccer player, and I was just juggling the ball around with her. Yeah. And the coach is like, who is that girl? <laughs> and my friend's like, oh, that's just my roommate, whatever. Yeah. And he goes, no, 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 like, who is she? Oh. <laughs> and all suddenly, I'm at a tryout. For like, soccer. For soccer. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm on the field starting. Wow. Like, just walked onto a soccer yeah. field. And then I end up not having good grades, so I was actually ineligible for okay. softball. Yeah. So growing pains, for sure. Right. Um, trying to figure out what the next move is. What do you even do from there? Right. Yeah. Trying to figure out school. So I ended up transferring back to Nassau Community College. Yeah. I played volleyball, basketball, and then softball. Wow. But I blew my knee out in volleyball. <gasps> oh, so I ended no. up having knee surgery and missed out another season. Of softball, yeah. So during that time, I started looking around for colleges that I'd want to maybe go to. Yeah. And I literally just got in my car and drove to all these different schools. Mm-hmm. And people are like, who are you? What's your name? <laughs> you go knocking on the door? Yeah. Literally, like, I, I went to see Florida State. I went to Penn yeah. State. Georgia Southern, I couldn't even tell you, like, how or why I found them. Yeah. And lo and behold, Georgia Southern sent a player's father to come watch me play. Wow. Okay. At Nassau Community College. Yeah. And I pitched one game, and then I, you know, played the outfield one game. And next thing I know, I'm visiting Georgia Southern. Wow. And so I ended up there, and I think it was a really good change for me. My academics, when I got to Nassau, really helped me. Kind of stabilize. Figure, yeah, yeah, figure out school, how to get through all of the yeah. hardships that I was going through with school. And then I transferred down there. I had, you know, I was 3'7". Yeah. You know, I went from being ineligible to, like, a 3'7". Yeah. So. That's awesome. Um, so I went down there and played two years yeah. down there. Did you pitch down there? So I was actually the third string pitcher. Okay which was fine by me. (laughs) I think if I had instruction, I think I could have been a really good pitcher. Yeah. Um, But so far what we talked about, it wasn't there growing up. You just kind of were piecing together everything you could to try to pitch. Or it was there, but my family lifestyle, number one, couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then number two, I just had no way of getting anywhere. Yeah. My mom worked nights. Long Beach is, as we said, all the way in the, kind of in the middle of nowhere sometimes. So mm-hmm. even like with travel ball, trying to get practices, I'm um, sure that was challenging. I rode my bicycle to Levittown. At 20 miles? 20 miles. 20 miles to get to practice. To get to practice. Wow. And then my coach would put my, my bicycle in his car, Yeah. drive me back down to Long Beach, and then I would just ride home from there. Yeah. Yeah, I was riding my bicycle in the On parkway. Parkway. <laughs> parkway. Yeah, that's... And as a... 14, 14 15 16, Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> but you, you had... You had to do what you needed to do at the time, yeah. and you re- were really committed and really yeah. drawn to the sport. Oh, my God. So, yeah. complete 180. Complete 180. Yeah. Complete 180. That's um, crazy. So, yeah. So, I just, I think, I think what's really important is everybody has a different pathway, mm-hmm. and going to junior college, mm-hmm. you know, kind of finding out who you are is just really important. I think decisions are made for kids too much now. Mm-hmm and they don't really get to choose where they really want to go. Yeah. And I think um, that's really important. Going down to Georgia Southern was definitely a different, a different culture. Yeah. And learning those cultures outside of Long Island, maybe I didn't notice or see things because I was in a different area. And so it was very different. And that's also just to say, like, you only knew really Long Island at that right. time. No. So to go down to, to where you were, it was a big difference. Explain was, that more. A little bit of it was, um, so I'm not a very religious person. Oh, yes. So you're, it's very Baptist. There's a lot of Catholic churches. So there's just the church 
lifestyle yeah. was there. So that was very different for me. Mm -hmm. Everybody went to church That's or right. everybody had somewhere that they were going on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And then the other part was being called a Yankee. Oh, okay. So I was like, well, why would you keep calling me that? Like, yeah. so I didn't have an understanding of that as either. And, and then just the cultural differences of just seeing the racism, you mm. know, we're only talking the late eighties. So racism, you know, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I played basketball in high school. There was African-Americans. Yeah. I'd go to the Martin Luther King center and learn how to play basketball yeah. there. It, it didn't make a difference for me. Yeah. I just wanted to play a sport. Right. And so just seeing that opened up my eyes to things that I didn't understand. Yeah. And I, I think just learning that as a, as a young adult mm -hmm. is very empowering, but then also just makes you very aware, uh, makes you understand some things if you can. I don't know if you really can understand it, yeah. but At I least think it just, opens the eyes up to like a greater sure. world than what you realized there was. For sure. Yeah. It, it, it was hard. I had a really yeah. good friend come visit me yeah. and um, he's African-American. Yeah. And that was the day that really opened up my oh, okay. eyes. The things that were said to me and the things that they portrayed him as. Even just how people interact or behave. Well, they didn't interact. Well, that's the thing, yeah. They, they didn't interact yeah. with me. That, yeah. was, that was where you realized. I really realized the depth of it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a Georgia Southern thing. It was just a cultural thing. And mm -hmm. I loved my school. Yes. I, but I just had to, you know, I had to make a decision. Yeah. And the decision was, do I continue to hang out with these people who yeah. have these views? Right. Or do I choose to find other people that don't have those views? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a big girl decision. You know, you're in the thick of things. Like, these yeah. are people you've been hanging out with, and now you all suddenly see things that are not yeah. okay with you. Right. I hear you. So you went down to Georgia Southern mm -hmm. for, it was two, three Yeah, years? I only played two years. We tried to get me a red shirt year because yeah. of my, my surgeries, right. my eligibility. Just but couldn't work out. Just couldn't work out. Was it challenging to try to juggle being a student athlete at the college level? It was. The hardest part was going on trips. Oh, yes. So I think at the time you couldn't be away from school for more than like three days. Oh, really? Okay. So what would happen is we'd leave at like 6 a.m. on like a Wednesday and come back by Friday. So now I miss Wednesday, Thursday, Friday classes. Mm -hmm. Then you come back, maybe get caught up on work and then leave again. Yeah. So you had to always come back for like a 24 hour period yeah. before you could leave again. And at the time we didn't have, you know, laptops sitting in our room. Yeah. You had to go to the library. So the library would be closed because they weren't 24 hours. Yes. So getting work done was way more challenging mm -hmm. um, because we didn't have things at our fingertips. We couldn't yeah. do all of our work on the bus. And even this, let me ask you, I know nowadays a lot of um, sports teams, they might get like academic, like not tutors, but you know, just mm -hmm. academic help. Did you have any of that academic support? So it was there, but you had to ask for it. Yeah. There wasn't like a central a location yeah. of where you can go yes. to get that help. Yeah. Um, for me, it was always about um, getting stuff at the library. Mm, okay. So a lot of times we would have to call in and okay. say, you know, can we have these things available? So when I get back in, I can make yeah. quick photocopies of whatever I needed and wow. things like that. So it, it was really challenging, um, but we found a way to make it work. Okay. My major was commercial recreation. Okay, so, tell me, what is that? <laughs> so, honestly, I really wanted to work at recreation departments, or mm -hmm. I could work on a cruise ship. Yeah. And I really wanted to somehow be around sports. Yeah. So my degree is in commercial recreations. I can, you know, I can work at beach clubs. Right. You know, I can, I can do all that. Yeah. And what I found, because I really wasn't understanding a lot of things <laughs> as a young kid, was that if I want to do that up in north, it's seasonal. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> so if I really wanted to stay down south, then yeah, great. But I didn't. I wanted right. to come back up here. Okay. So I have a degree in recreation. I was working with a kid at yeah. a beach club. Um, she had a disease of dystonia. So she was wheelchair bound. And I was mm -hmm. always like saying hello to her. And her mom approached me and said, you know, would you be interested in teaching her swimming? She goes, oh. I know she can't swim. Mm -hmm. But you're the only one that ever approaches her. Oh. And would you feel comfortable bringing her in the pool yeah. and just, you know, getting her range of motion and mm -hmm. just kind of doing that. And I was like, sure. And I was at like the head lifeguard at the time at the beach club yeah. I was at. And I started doing lessons and then, you know, we would put her on a kickboard and I'd hold her mm -hmm. and we'd do the races. Mm -hmm. And the mom just looked at me and says, you need to go into this field somehow. I was just going to ask you, is that how you yep. started instructing almost? So I actually went back to school and I got my master's in special education. Wow. Okay. Um, and then I was a special education teacher. I started doing lessons on the side mm -hmm. here and there. Maybe I had 10 kids. I don't, I, I couldn't even tell you back yeah. then. 9-11 happened. We just couldn't deal with the loss and the noise that belonged with it. And we decided to pack up and leave New York. Mm -hmm. And we ended up in South Carolina. Had my son down there. We lived down there for eight years. Then Sandy hit. Yes. And Sandy pretty much wiped out like every family member. My mom was living so in her sorry. house upstairs for three months with no heat, no water, no electricity. So I took a leave of absence, ended up moving back. And okay. people were like, well, why don't you start doing lessons? Hmm. And I was like, okay, because I really didn't want to go back to teaching, nor could I, because I was still helping my mom rebuild. Yes. And next thing I know, Diamond Dominator starts. I was just going to yeah, say, Diamond Dominator starts. Diamond Dominator starts up. So it's your little, like, almost hub to yep. help streamline your training sessions with your, your clientele. Yep. yep. And yeah. I, you know, I worked with a, a young woman named Gina Calabrese. Her and I were kind of partners a little bit. We would do camps, clinics, things yeah. like that. And then she introduced me to um, the Gareckis, who own um, a facility called mm -hmm. Oil City Sports. And they took me in open arms, and I wow. was at them for like 11 years mm -hmm. um, and then just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. and then that's how actually how I met your dad yes yeah coach um, Kaz <laughs> coach Kaz Kaz and I have always been like side by side it was yeah. like the weirdest thing yeah we never really understood it but everywhere we went we were like <laughs> oh now you're here oh you're here now <laughs> and literally every facility we've ever gone to we've found somehow someone yeah to be next to each other yes which and I think is so so so, so funny so and weird. so weird how the, the world works at times. Yeah. Because then it's kind of like, hmm, maybe. Right. Maybe this this makes sense because obviously you guys then went into partnership to open up 88 where we're at right now. Yep. Yeah. One of the things that I think drew me to Coach Kaz oh, was yeah. that, so I have a little bit of different teaching methodology with pitching. So when my kids were going to places, people like, well, what are you doing? I don't understand this. And he was really the, one of the few coaches that were like, okay, well, what does she want? He would have certain skills that he was doing, and I didn't want my girls doing it mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. And he was so respectful of my methodology. Yeah. And I think that's what really kind of drew me and drew the partnership mm. because there was this value of respect. It didn't matter that I taught things differently. He respected what right. my model was. And, and so I think that's where that transition of opening up 88 Stitches love was that. really simple because we both respect each other's pros and cons, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. And it's, it's just never, never drawn on us that one way is right and one way is wrong. Totally hear you. He wants to respect as best he can. The other trainer that is already putting you know, focus and time and energy and money into that player. Right. 
yes, as an instructor, you want to like critique things or you want right. to like fix things in a, in a player's swing, let's say. But if they're going and they're paying money to another instructor and that's how the instructor is teaching them, then Coach Kaz will be like, all right, I'm not going to touch that. Right. So I think that's really important, yeah. though. So what we don't know as even instructors ourselves okay. um, is that you don't know maybe where that kid started. So yes. what were the problems? Yeah. What are we trying to fix and what's the long-term goal? So I yeah. may take a kid and maybe take her step away for hitting. Yes. And then work on, you know, back path and hips and mm -hmm. whatever Everything it else. is. Yeah. And then we maybe will add that step back in. Mm -hmm. But each individual person doesn't know where each kid came from. So yeah. I may be doing something that's really out of characteristic. Yeah. And it may just because I need to get that kid to understand what they need to accomplish mm -hmm. and how to get there. So as instructors, my always thing is, is when a kid comes and sees yeah. me, I ask them, you know, what would your instructor want you to do? Ooh, okay. Um, how do they want you to do this? Because sometimes yeah. I can take that information mm -hmm. And incorporate it into a lesson or yes. a practice. Yes. And to allow that kid to maybe still work on that. No, I hear you. And I think that's kind of missing a little bit. Um, it's not about knowing more. It's about, again, understanding the pathway for that kid. I think that's something yes. that gets lost. very lost. Yeah. yeah. I even see that. I'm not a full-time instructor by any means, but I think like with playing softball, I'm able to pick up a lot of things when just looking at a girl's swing. Or even though I only pitch till freshman year of high school, I can still give some tips and pointers here and there from seeing something that looks off if their pitch was off. Right. But like, again, all, all the girls are different. They, 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 one, one thing might work for one player and something else might work for another player. I remember when I was learning a curveball. Mm -hmm. um, everyone does, you know, like they kind of cup under and they rotate over with their spins. And um, I don't know if it's called something different, but my instructor at the time told me to come to the hip and snap it across like right. this way. And I don't know, Coach Cass was like, I've never seen a curveball thrown that way. And my instructor was like, well, it's just, you know, we tried, you know, coming under and over like the normal way and it's just not working for Gabby. So we're going to try something else. And right. I ended up loving the curveball that I was taught. And it was one of my best pitches at the time. And right. it's just it shows that like everyone's so different and you just got to kind of feel that out in the play. You got to learn the player itself, see where they come from what maybe they were struggling with in the past and why they right. got to the point that they're at now and then how can we get them to be, be even better in the future. Right. I mean, injuries could even cause something oh, yes. that changes the way that you would do your methodology. Yes. You know, maybe a kid can't learn to uh, land a certain way in, the, in, in her pitching motion anymore because of an injury. I mean, yeah. there's so many things that come into play. It's just, I'd love for it to be black and white. Yeah. But it's not. It's never, yeah. It's not. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're creating robots mm -hmm. and really just not allowing the kids to just... Kind of work thing. through it, yeah. go through it, because there's a lot of there's a lot more pressure to succeed, yeah. a lot more pressure to succeed. Everything has a number attached to it now. Yes. Whereas when I was playing, and maybe even when you were playing, we just played. Yeah. You know, we if I got in 500, I wouldn't even be able to tell you that no, I got in 500. Say, <laughs> we didn't have game changer. We didn't have any of these like you know electronic stat recorders, I guess. Well, yeah, I don't know we didn't. Our... The pros did. But... Pros did, yeah. Pro, fair. Pros right. did. We, as a travel yeah. ball team, did not. Yeah. I remember in high school, I in my notes app, every time after every game, I would write down what I did. Mm -hmm. I went one for three. I went over oh three. I went three for three. Whatever it was. And I kept track on my own. And then even for travel ball, I did the same thing just to try to like understand where I was at with my hitting like from a stats perspective. Okay. Because even though I might have you know, feel like I'm doing great. Maybe I batting percentage wise wasn't, 
And I, you know, I think as a hitter, I always wanted to like, I always had a, a number in my head that I wanted to try to strive towards. And that was my own way of doing it because I didn't have anything that, anything else that was telling me otherwise. Right. Well, let's talk about that number. Okay, go for it. Yeah. I'm going to ask you now. No, I would love to. So let's hear. what's the number that Ooh. you wanted to hit at? And is I, it yes. considered normal batting average? Hmm. I always thought 350 was like an up, obviously. It was like the number I was like, yes, I really want that. Okay. I was happy with 300 and up. Okay. Anything in the twos, even even through college, like I like in college, you kind of talk more towards your stats because mm -hmm. that's how your coach looks and at you at, absolutely at the end of the season. She's like, well, you only went two hundred this season. You know, that's kind of why you only saw half the playing time. You know, that, that's kind of like what we right. talk about at the college level. But I think growing up, it was always like if I was three hundred plus, I'd be I'd be content. Three fifty, I knew I was like doing well, right. and that's just like the numbers I always had in my head. What do you think the numbers are now for kids? I don't even know what they are now. Oh, I could tell you. Okay, tell me. I'm so, so most curious. kids think that they should be batting six, five, and six hundred. <laughs> and the reason why yeah, is, I would love to know. I know. Why. I know. <laughs> That's just well, so a part of this is social media. So oh, okay. a kid bats five hundred for the weekend. Yeah. They most other kids think then that that five hundred number is obtainable easily. Wow. And it's not. And no. so There's this 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 dialogue that's going on. Okay. And I always tell kids like, okay, if you batted like 700 in middle school, first of all, why are we keeping stats yeah. in middle school? But, <laughs> middle school, they lob it in, like, let's right. be real. <laughs> so if you're yeah. batting 700, take that number and cut it in half when you get to high school. And they're mm -hmm. like, looked at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, that's true. oh no, wait and you see. And then when you get to college, cut take that half. number and cut that in half. Mm -hmm. and, wow. And, yeah, yeah. So I think the inflation of numbers mm. is also causing these kids to be a little less successful yeah they're all like so worried about oh my god oh my right. this is not the number that i need it to be at when Kids. in reality it might be a decent number Three to 400 it's in high range. school yeah. is, is really good yeah obviously numbers can be higher depending on the league yeah. obviously a kid could be an outlier right where they're just stronger or numbers can even be different well, yeah. because of who's inputting in the scores but that's a whole correct. other topic. yeah correct so i think yeah. just kids on thinking that wow. a 500 600 that, batting average. that really makes me think about my current 12u team i'm curious now i'm going ask them to. to write down what they think i i the, will the appropriate batting average should be yeah and like cows from time to time will say like if you go three for ten you know you're failing you're amazing yeah you're failing seven <laughs> times like you're doing amazing but right. I don't know if that ever really like sticks with them no so I'm gonna I'm gonna totally ask them wow and I guess that makes sense I think like social media throws a lot of things out of whack absolutely I never thought of it from that perspective maybe because I'm just not in it like you are day-to-day -day, like with your your clientele with your mm -hmm. players wow that is so interesting yeah it's huh. it's actually a little mind-boggling yeah I was like you guys have no clue what a 500 batting average is really is yeah totally gonna let you know <laughs> <laughs> tidbit for the day yeah that's my tidbit for the day for sure okay as we probably wrap up i know you're you've been instructing now for years yes what is the one thing or the few things that really bring you so much joy with instructing so i feel like there's a, a couple things the first yeah. is um having a true understanding of the athletes so having a background in special ed mm. allows me to tap into a kid a little bit differently yes and so I feel one of my biggest attributes is my connection with my kids mm. they look up to me mm -hmm. which is important to me mm -hmm. um, in the sense of I want them to have a female role model mm -hmm. unfortunately there's not a, a, still a lot of women coaching yeah so that's important to me I think 
having them come to any place that I work at and feel safe. Mm -hmm. They can fail, they can, you know, move up in the world, whatever it is, sometimes they just come in and talk to me. Yeah. Sometimes they just, just, uh, yeah, yeah, just I'm a board to, to, to or, or even like, at. oh, I had such a bad day at school, yep. and it's not even it's not even sports really, not even softball related. Yep. But you're that person that you're. Oh, tell me about it. Let me. I'll hear. Let me hear more yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I actually had a kid. Yeah. I had for I don't know maybe five six years now. Great kid, good worker. Mm-hmm. Dad and her just we have a great time in a lesson. And one day I could just see it on her. Mm. And I said, Dad, you need to go. And he goes, what? You're kicking me out of a lesson? And I go, yeah, today's the day. Mm. And he just looked at me and I was like, today's the day. Yeah. And he goes, okay. And he walked out. And he, so he yeah. knew something was up. But he trusted that he you knew what you me. saw, that, that instinct in you, yeah. Literally, we had a 10 minute conversation oh. and she just was spewing everything. It was one of her best weekends on, on record for her. And he said, what did you do? I go, we chatted. And I go, you paid me to have a session of chatting for a little while. Yeah, but sometimes girls need that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like those are like some really things, good yeah. gifts that I can give to the kids is yeah. just allowing them a place, a safe space. And then I think just the third thing is, is just giving them an avenue to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously my, my hope and my goal is, is that I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I must be doing that if I am still able to sustain the amount of students that I do have. Right. You know, everything's word of mouth for me. I don't yeah. do a lot of posting. I don't do a lot of social media. No. And yet, you know, I have people on a waiting list, you know. And to me, that validates that I must be doing something mm-hmm. right. And I'm very honest. Yeah. I always tell people, if you're going to ask me a question, expect an answer. Yeah. And Well, I don't want to be paying an instructor for, like, a kid of mine, let's say, to, to just, like, BS me all day long. Even as a player, like, I don't want my instructor to be doing that either. Right. I would want to know what I'm doing wrong or the truth of it all. Right. And, like, if it's going to be the, you know, the honest truth of you really got to keep working hard, like, you're yep. not putting in the work that you need to be, then, like, as a player, I, I, I wanted to hear that at least. And, and I think that's really important yeah. is I, um, I had a couple of kids whose yeah. parents, I said, you know, listen, they're not putting the time in. Don't send them to me no. anymore. And I have lost some kids because of that. And I'm like, yeah. but that's good for the parent to say, hey, this is not okay. This is a lot of money, mm-hmm. a lot of time. And a lot, you know, we're, we're driving an hour to come see Heather. Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy, mm-hmm. and you're not putting any time in. So I think just having that dialogue with the parents and the kid, yes. hey, you are not getting to D1 without yeah. putting a lot of time in. Yeah. You know, D2, D3, you still need to put a lot of time in. It doesn't matter what the level is. You have to put time in. And if gotta, you don't do that, you got to find that, like, commitment in you. Yeah, you're just yeah. not going to make it. No. Or you are going to make it, but you might be unhappy where you are sitting the bench. Yep, yep. And it's funny, which we could go another topic, another time, but the amount of, like, turnover rates that there are at the college level, people so unhappy at the college level because they're sitting the bench now. It's yep. like, got to put in that effort, got to put in that work to really get your spot on the on the starting nine. I wish high school and travel ball teams would bench their kids more often. Oh, so good that, one. So that yeah. would give them an opportunity to be prepared for college. What does this feel like to sit on the bench? Yeah. Now you understand what those kids who are busting their hump to get mm-hmm. on the field for yeah. feel. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, it's still going to feel different because if you're a starter, you kind of always know you're still going to be back out there. Yeah. Whereas the kid who's on the bench never really knows. Yeah. High school, you don't see that ever, really. No. With my 12U team, you know, Saturday, we cycle them all in and out, right. give them equal playing time. Sundays, kind of like if you did really well Saturday, like we'll put the best nine in the field. We want to win. But... Yeah, I don't think there's enough player discipline almost of like, 
I talked about this with Kaz in the last episode, but, you know, like every player has a role in the team, whether mm-hmm. you're on the bench for an inning or two with the whole game or you're playing in the field for the whole game. Like right. you have a role not to get discouraged that you're sitting on the bench. You still got to do a lot of things to help support your team members that are on the field. Right. Calling out the runner. There's a bunt that's about to happen. Yelling out bunt. Being the extra set of eyes for your teammates is so, so important. Right. Um, and I don't think that that's uh, taught enough. Well, or it's like, taught, but it's really taught at the college level. Because, yeah. again, you're now 18 competing with 21 and 22-year-olds, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Um, and so it's happening there. And, unfortunately, there there really is, in a sense, no way to truly prepare for that. Because mm-hmm. you're not going travel ball. If you're, if you're a good player, you're going to play. Yeah. You're not literally, you know, I always look at the kids like at that's Alabama. True. Yeah. Like, these are top kids in the country. Yeah. So imagine being like the ranked number one player in the country and you're sitting the bench like, wow, like I could never imagine that. Are you kidding me? You're number one in the country and you're sitting the bench. Yeah. It boggles my mind too. Like a lot of that, like they, like the entire, like 20, 25 girls on that team stacked with accolades, with accomplishments, with even skill sets. And they're sitting. And you're sitting the bench and... Wow, what is that gonna do to you? Yeah, if you were at a lower division one school you know, playing full time, full time, yep. getting your awards that you wanted to. But hey, I mean, sometimes people like want want the that Alabama environment. Like, right. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna continue to compete mm-hmm. to get that spot. And right. that's tough to crack that spot. Oh yeah, it's very tough to crack yeah. a lineup there. Well, and it's funny with Georgia Southern. You know, we were we weren't like a top dog. Yeah. But we played mm-hmm. Florida State, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. We played some of these big time schools, and I remember meeting with the Florida State coach and she said well what do you think and I was like oh I was like I wouldn't be a starter here (laughs) and she looked at me and she was actually really taken back yeah and and she's like well explain to I said well I'm a pitcher but I I'm not a d1 pitcher like these girls and I was like I probably could work myself into the lineup but it's it's definitely going to take some time yeah and you know I not that I chose not to go there but it wasn't a choice for me to go there because I really wanted to go somewhere where I could play Mm mm-hmm and when I got to Georgia Southern, I definitely felt like I was on par with a lot yeah. of the other girls that I could definitely work my way into this lineup. Yes. It wasn't going to just walk in and, and start. Yeah. But I was going to have to work my way in, whereas something like a Florida State, Head State, I was like, yeah, I wasn't at that level. Yeah. But I knew that. Yeah. I and knew that. That's even for me. I remember when I was recruiting, Kaz was like, let's go to a Yale clinic where my sister was. Right. I'm like... I don't think I belong there. I don't, I really don't think he's like, well, you, you never know. Like, and it'll be, you know, it'll be good, you know, to support right. your sister, to get in front of like the Yale coach. Yeah, thanks. Compare me to my sister. I was know. like, sure, <laughs> sure. But like, and I knew immediately when I got there, I was like, I, it just, I wasn't that level. Like I was not academically that level. Right. Really. I, and I also, I surely wasn't. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had decent grades, but not like grades I needed to be I mean, yeah. like student. But also, skill-wise, like, D1, even size is... Okay. Yeah. They are, like, you, that's the one thing. You cannot teach size. Right. And D1 has size. You might be the best athlete ever, but if you are 5'5", five five versus the same skill set at a 6-foot... Oh, yeah. You're going, you're, with you're going with the sicker. You're going with the 6-footer, yeah. <laughs> so I just knew deep down, like, I don't, even, like, being at that clinic, I was like, yeah. D1 is just, I don't think it's yeah. for me. And that's fine. And I, and I respect that, like, in terms of any player that's trying to navigate that scene because... Right. When I got to that D2 camps and clinics, I was like, oh, yeah, this is more my, my speed. I was, I knew deep down I can crack into that lineup or right. I had a chance of, like, really making an impact at that level. Right. Yeah. 
All right, I know we went off on a lot of tangents. Oh, it's okay. But I love, I love tangents, tangents and circles. <laughs> anything that we made have missed or anything that you wanted to say before we wrap up? Not to put you on the spot, oh, but... Oh, yeah, always on the spot. Um, <laughs> no, I just think, I think as parents, educators, coaches, teachers, whatever word you want to use, I think we really need to look at the athlete. What signs and signals are they giving us that might be pleading for help? Mm-hmm because we are seeing more and more trauma events happening within these communities. And I think some of it has to do with we're chasing the carrot. And I think we need to let these kids pull back a little bit and be kids yeah. and develop. The key word is the develop. Yes. You can't push development. You can't take a baby and have them walk when they're one month old. There is a progression that yeah. has to happen. And I think we're, we're cutting corners on that mm-hmm. in the sports world but we're also pushing the kids in the academic world and those two things are really really heavy on these kids um and so pressure and weight on them yeah and i think that's just one of my big things and that's why you know 88 stitches kind of came together and kaz and i both had the same wants and needs is that we really want to create an environment that's soothing for the girls Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes we want to work hard but we don't need it to be weighing on top of them. Mm-hmm. They come in, they laugh. If you, if you, if you look yeah. at our board, we got all these questions and the kids just know, fill we, it up. We have to come up with another question. This board is filled. We have what is on the top of your holiday gift list, right. which I love. But we have a fun one every every week. Every week. I try to, whenever I'm in here, I try to rewrite one yeah. when, when I see the boards filled. But I mean, just from like when people walk in, I love just seeing the girls' faces and they're just yeah. like, they're so they're so energetic and they, they're, they're smiling. and. Who knows what that could be from, but I would hope that like what we have put together, well, really what you and Cass have put together here is a good part of that. Like it really helps these girls across the board, like not even just in their sport, like outside their sport, I think. I mean, you think about genders, you know, like the difference between the men and the women in in the athletic world, like some get nicer locker rooms. Yeah. Did you see the LSU one? Yeah. Oh my God, the locker room, they had like a beauty beauty salon in there. Like what? That was, uh, (laughs) at, at my college, there was, between male and females, there is a lot of differences right. even still. And I think crazy. the girls know when they come in here, yeah. it's for them. Yeah. It's not girly. No. It's not girly, but it, it's clean It's an, and it's an inviting environment. And I think that's the one thing that Kaz and yes. I really wanted. The parents enjoy it. We have a place for the parents to sit, do work, mm-hmm. and just make it as as inviting as we possibly can without it, you know, being hardcore, yeah. you know. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. go, go, go. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, yeah I, I think this is... We're in a really good place. Um, I think Kaz and I have really done what we wanted to do at the moment. We yeah. want to definitely do more, but that will be another topic yeah. for another day because we'll have like 5,000 topics at this point. I know. I, I mean, know. I feel like I could talk with you for hours. Oh, um, I, I have a whole list on my notes app yeah. of just topics and ideas of like yeah. what we could talk about each week. But so. I appreciate you, you yeah. know, talking and oh my God, you know, I love this. this out. You know, yeah, this is a lot of fun. So thanks, yeah. thanks, for, thanks for today's session. But <laughs> Heather will be back. I'm sure of it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's it. Woo, I'm so excited. That was great, Heather. Yeah, it's like walking on water though on some of the conversations.